0: Yes, we worship a great God who has done, who is doing, and will continue to do great things. Bring you greetings from the country of Romania, from Emmanuel Baptist Church and Emmanuel University, and just for the records, it's the only fully accredited Christian university in Europe, conservative university. there are theological seminaries in various parts of Europe that are accredited, but not a fully developed university. So Emmanuel University has this special calling from God to be a beacon of light on that part of the world. Thank you very much, Pastor Jeff. Thank you, Judson Church, for your prayers, for your continuing support for the ministry of Emmanuel University. You have been a blessing, you have been an encouragement, and we are looking forward to welcome your pastor again because he hasn't been to Romania for almost half a century now. Uh, I think that we have to work on that and we are praying that God will open the door. Probably you have heard people who say, it's none of my business, I don't care, leave me alone. I don't want to get involved. Well, the truth is that nobody can be left alone. Because every Christian person, regardless of age, regardless of ethnicity, regardless of time or circumstances, no Christian family, No Christian church, no Christian generation can stay uninvolved because each and every one of us are facing two major battles. They will not leave us alone. The first one is the spiritual battle. When the Apostle Peter is speaking about this spiritual encounter, he says, that your enemy is like a roaring lion who is looking for someone to devour, will not leave you alone. There's an enemy out there. The Apostle Paul says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we are not waging war against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of darkness, the rulers and principalities of the wicked world. They will not leave you alone. Nobody can avoid those attacks. They are real, they are ongoing. The second is the cultural war or the cultural battle. We are living in a culture. Nobody can live outside of any culture. When we speak about culture, we speak about a mixture of worldviews, beliefs, ways of life. We speak about literature, arts, technology. We speak about style and pattern of life. We speak about ethical or moral standards, moral values all of those together are making up what we call culture. Now, in this mixture of everything, it's next to impossible for each one of us to fully select what is biblical and what is not biblical. Some people say that there are things that are neutral. Well, the Bible says that We should not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Because most of the time, the culture is upholding non-biblical values. Now between the two, the spiritual war and the cultural war, there is a very interesting relationship. Hear me well. The one who wins the spiritual war will transform the culture. The one who wins the spiritual war will transform the culture. The one who loses the spiritual war will be swallowed up by culture. So we are either winners or losers. If we look in the Bible, the history of the early church, The early church won the spiritual war and they changed the culture of their time. The religious leaders of the days would say that these people have filled Jerusalem with their teaching. They couldn't protect themselves from the invasion of the gospel. The gospel took over Jerusalem by storm. They couldn't protect their synagogues, their temples, their public squares, and even the Roman Empire was impacted by the gospel. When the Apostle Paul wrote later, he said, greet the saints in the house of Caesar. In the house of Caesar, in the palace. Because they won the spiritual war, they transformed their culture. Your country has great history of revivals, the great awakenings of this country, when in a matter of years, tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people were saved and the whole area was changed, transformed. It is being said that some people were so impacted by the gospel that they lost 85% of their vocabulary in the split of a second. You know why. <laughs> but the transformation was of such nature and profound that transform people, transform families, transform the whole society. So if we are winning the spiritual war, we will transform the culture. When we speak about the culture of our days, I'm not fully aware of the culture of the United States, but we are coming from Europe. And we are aware of the cultural trends in Europe at this time. I may say without exaggerating that Europe is no longer secular. Europe is increasingly pagan. Hear me well. No longer secular, but increasingly pagan. That means pagan worldviews are attacking the minds of our children, are infiltrating our schools, our public institutions, our way of life, and is at the doorstep of every church, the pagan culture. How are we responding? Would we say, leave me alone? I don't care, I don't be involved? Well, please do open your Bibles at the book of Exodus. The book of Exodus, chapter 17. Exodus 17, verses eight to 15. Amalek came and attacked Israel at Rephidim. Moses said to Joshua, choose some of the men and go out to fight Amalek, because tomorrow I will stand on top of the, on the top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. So Joshua fought Amalek as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Moses held up his hands, Israel was winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, Amalek was winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, They took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame Amalek's army with a sword. Then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek from under heaven. Moses built an altar and called it, The Lord is My Banner. He said, For hands were lifted up to the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against Amalek from generation to generation. You know the story. The children of Israel were coming out of Egypt bondage on their way to the promised land as God told them. They were not attacking other nations around they were peacefully marching toward the promised land. When unexpectedly, Amalek, people that are descendants of Esau, attacked them in a mischievous way. In Deuteronomy 25, we are told that Amalek attacked them from behind. Those who are tired and those who are weary. Those were left behind because as they were marching, they were so weak, they couldn't keep in step with the the other. And Amalek attacked them there. Now when this attack came, Moses did something absolutely fascinating, incredible. Moses said, Joshua, take some men and go down in the valley and fight Amalek. Because I will go on the mountain with the staff of God in my hand. Now think about that. In the whole camp of Israel, there was only one man who knew something about military and warfare. Whom do you think was that person? Moses. He was the one trained in Egypt. All the others were trained to make bricks. That was all they knew. And now Moses said, Joshua, you who are an expert in making bricks, choose some other bricks maker and go to war and fight, because I who was trained to be a general in Egyptian army, I will go and sit on the top of the hill. How would you respond to that? Say, Moses, how do you use the verb to die? I should die. you should die. Well, you see, there is something strange there unless we understand what's behind. Moses understood that that is not a usual battle. Moses understood there are two sides of the battle, one that is visible and one invisible. The visible side of the battle was with the Amalek there in the valley. But Moses knew there was something invisible. Moses knew that there is a spiritual battle. So he said, Joshua, let's fight on both fronts. You go there and fight in the visible battle. I go on the mountain and fight the invisible battle. So Moses went with Aaron and her. And there on the mountaintop, he did his part. Now... Imagine that we look what is visible. And you have the TV network reporting the war uh, from the valley there with Amalek and Israel. And there was something very confusing. Because there are two unequally army. Amalek are trained for war. These are people that are attacking by surprise. They are, not, they are, they are experts in attacking. They have good weaponry. Here are some bricks layers, bricks makers, that had no technology, no weaponry. Their culture is totally unfit for the battle. So Amalek prevailed. But something strange happened. Without explanation, those bricks makers, those people that were not trained for war, suddenly became mighty men of valor. They were so strong and they pushed back the Amalek army in a way without explanation. What's going on there? What's happening? But then, suddenly these people who were strong for some minutes seem that they go so soft, so weak. So Amalek is pushing them back. But then, minutes later, they got their strength again, and they pushed back and they prevailed against Amalek, and this went back and forth for some times. With no explanation, what's going on there? Until somebody looks on the mountain and realizes that there is a strange coincidence. Whenever this old man, on the top of the mountain, raised his hands, lift up his hands. His people are heroes. They are mighty men of valor. But when he lowered his hands, they are so weak. They are powerless. Then he raises again his hands and again they are strong. What's going on there? What's going on? When Moses lifted up his hands, he asked the power of God to come down. He claimed the promises of God to protect his people. He accessed the power of glory to come down in the valley. He won the spiritual battle. Because behind the Amalek, there were evil forces that tried to destroy the plan of God and the promises of God Concerning Messiah, because these people were pr- carrying the messianic promise, and Amalek was trying to destroy God's plan. So Moses asked God, and God worked miracles, great things He has done. Now, we will not go to the Refidim and fight in the valley. More than likely, None of us will go to fight in Ukraine, Russian war. But is there a battleground for us? Oh yes, the mind of every child is the battleground. I see some of the most beautiful and well behaved and educated kids in the world in this church. They are absolutely fabulous. There's a battleground for their mind. What will be the worldview that will be implanted in their mind? There's a battleground for their heart. What would they love? What will attract them? The mind and the hearts of our teenagers is a battleground. The world is so seductive. Behind the offer of the world, there are spiritual realities. Every family is a battleground. Every family is under attack. Every church is under attack. Every Christian school is under attack. Every country and the public institutions are under attack. Where is the Moses of our time? Where are Aaron and her to lift up the hands of Moses? Because friends, if we do not overcome on our knees we will be swallowed up by a pagan culture. I'm coming from a Christian university. As I said, Emmanuel University is the only fully accredited conservative Baptist university on the continent of Europe. Do you see the battle that we face there? We are accredited by Brussels accrediting agencies. They come and look at everything we do. And we have to overcome that battle time and again because there's no one battle that you will win forever. It's ongoing and ongoing. Do you see why we need your prayers? Join with us and lift up our hands. But you see, the United States of America is a battleground. Your schools are a battleground. Your churches, where are the Moses? Where are the Aaron and Hur? Where are the Joshua of our day? You see, what is absolutely fascinating, I love that. Moses was an old man, Joshua was a young man. And they didn't say, Well, we have a generation gap, Moses. I'm sorry, but I'm not working with you. You are old fashioned, you are run down. Let me do my way. You are expired, Moses. (laughs) You see, they were one people. They had one enemy. And they were there to win one victory. So, all the generation came together because they knew what is ahead of them. Oh, we live in a time when the world is telling to influence with this generation gap theory. I'm working with students. I tell you, there's no generation gap. One night, I had an old man from Romania, a great hymn writer, songwriter, who spent years in jail. Now he was uh, 85 plus, and with one arm that was uh, have been broken by the, the communist persecution, and he could no longer play piano. But the only thing he could play was the accordion, because he could play with the right hand. And he came. We start the meeting with the students at 5 o'clock p.m. And he will sing a song, and he told us how God gave him that song in jail, in what kind of persecuting situation he got the song. Our students were fascinated. They were listening and they were just singing along with this great man of God. And when I look at time, I was quite concerned because it was 10 o'clock p.m. We started at 5 and nobody moved. So some of the students and girls that are living in town, they were living uh, at quite distance and was late, so I was concerned that uh, they should be home in time. And I approached slowly this gentleman who was singing and I just grabbed the microphone and I said, well, I'm so sorry it came late and I didn't notice that. And hearing the songs and the testimony of our brother, it's so clear to me that there is no gap generation in the church of Christ. So at that moment, this old gentleman snatched the microphone from my hand and said, you know why there's no generation gap in the church. Well, I was very careful not to say something that will not be fit. So I was silent. So he looked at me, he saw that I am silent and said, because the bride of Christ is not an old lady, but is a beautiful bride. The church is the bride of Christ. And in the bride of Christ, there's no generation gap. So Joshua and Moses, they fought together. The whole people of Israel were together fighting the battle. And Moses' hands were weary. He couldn't... Held up his hands for a long time. Now, some of you are quite fit, strong, very athletic. Why don't you try to do something? Go home and see for how long can you keep your hands up? Any guessing? Probably some of the most fit among us. 10, 15 minutes. Then everything is hurting. So Moses was an old man and his time for prayer was so demanding, so exhausting, that Aaron and her went and they lifted up his hands. What a great picture of prayer groups. We come together and we pray and we lift up each other's hands. But friends, there was another mountain. And on that mountain was not Moses. On that mountain went our Lord Jesus Christ alone. On that mountain, he won the spiritual battle and he won the cultural battle. He came out and when he said, it is finished, it's finished. He won the battle. He atoned for our sins. He overcame Satan. He overcome death. He overcome sin. And in his victory, we are more than victorious. Now, if we look at Jesus, he, was, he is telling us to follow him and take good courage because he overcame. As you look at yourself, have you won the spiritual battle or have you lost the battle? For your mind, for your heart, for your moral integrity, for your commitment to stand with Christ no matter what. Have you lost the battle in the family? Have you lost the battle in your working place? Is the country losing the battle or winning the battle? I'm so encouraged to be here in this church because I see the music just told us that he is the one who does great mighty things. He is the one who part the seas and make the, the, the water flood in the, the wilderness. He is a great God. But if you have been defeated, what a great morning to come at the fruit of the cross and ask forgiveness. And ask, Lord, here am I. I acknowledge that I was not watching enough. I was not persevering. But here I come again. And I ask for your forgiveness. I come for your strength. I, come, I, I ask for your blessing. And I ask that you make me an overcomer in the spiritual battle so I can change The culture of my family, the culture of my working place, and the culture of this generation for the glory of Christ. Now, let me tell you this. Culture never saved, never will save, because the world cannot save itself. The culture that is transformed by the Bible, the culture that is transformed by Jesus, is a great blessing, but culture is not a savior. There's only one Savior and his name is Jesus Christ. And when we pray, when we worship, when we ask, we ask in his name because he overcame. And he is victorious now and forever and evermore. Amen. Amen. Will you pray for Emmanuel University? Our students are coming from so many parts of the world. Our graduates are serving in 42 countries of the world. Some of them are in dangerous, risky areas of the world. Some of them are facing major opposition. As we have Ukrainian students and students that uh, escape from, from the war, as we are dealing with the refugees, as we are dealing with the European pagan culture, we are asking for your prayers. But at the same time, I'm glad to tell you that God never lost, he never loses, and he will never lose the battle. Because at the end... He is coming with the clouds and every eye shall see him and we will say even so come Lord Jesus because you kept us, you blessed us you gave us your victory and with that I have final request all of you would agree to give your pastor one week to come and help us teaching at the university please look at me, thank you very much (laughs) pastor back to you
1: <clears throat> what a great and timely message for us. Amen. We win the spiritual battle first, and we win the cultural battle. As I was thinking about that this morning in our first service, I'm kind of struck again by maybe you're feeling a little overwhelmed by the culture. It happens. But we win on our knees, amen? And maybe, like me, you kind of want the Holy Spirit to examine how much cultural creep has taken place in your life. Is there more culture than there should be right now uh, from the world than from our Heavenly Father? Why don't we take a few moments and just go before the Lord and pray and ask the Holy Spirit to shine a light on our lives this morning. Heavenly Father, we come before you and in this time of response, we would ask the Holy Spirit to look at our lives and speak truth over them. Father, some of us are so wrapped up in the culture and we love the culture and and we don't even realize how much it's influencing us. Father, Father, Like Brother Paul said, may we be Romans 12 people who are not overcome by the culture but transformed by the Spirit of God. Would you transform us and transform the culture of our families, our institutions, our cities, certainly our church? Now as we respond, Lord, we can't think of a better song to sing then I surrender all. As Moses surrendered his hands to you, Lord, we surrender our lives to you again. And for the one here this morning that may not know you as Lord and Savior, Holy Spirit, even right now, would you work to confirm the truth of the gospel in their life? Draw them to repentance and save them today. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.